We're going to continue on where we were this morning. <clears throat> Luke chapter 19. And in fact, let's, let's read down through uh, what happened on that <clears throat> Palm Sunday, on that uh, triumphal entry again. Verse 29. And it came to pass... When he was come nigh to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye unto the village over against you, in the which ye, in your entering ye shall find a colt tied, wherein yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. But do you know that that was a, uh, a miracle? If nobody ever sat on the colt, then that meant that he was totally unbroken. But you know what? That's nothing for the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Everything obeys him. Even an, un- even an unbroken colt. Right? <clears throat> um, and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went uh, their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto him, why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works uh, that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And you know, Jesus didn't shy away from worship. Lots of people in the Bible do. Angels do, but Jesus didn't. And you know why? Because he's God. It's his right. There was nothing wrong with them worshiping him. What they were worshiping him as the king that was coming was actually right. It was the truth. It was the, uh, they were doing the right thing. There was no way he was going to rebuke them uh, for it. This was the, the moment. And this was Israel's moment. This was the moment when all of it uh, had come together. The prophecy of Daniel chapter 9 had come true. Uh, their king was coming into town, but they're going to reject him. They're going to reject their king. Um, <clears throat> Verse 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. Now, he didn't just shed a silent tear. He burst into tears. It's totally in contrast uh, with what's going on here, right? They're, they're, you know, they're coming, they're worshiping him, they're praising him, they're, uh, they're saying Hosanna in the highest to him, and, they're, uh, and it's all a thrilling, exciting uh, scene. And he comes over the prow of the hill, and he looks down over Jerusalem, and uh, the, the writers say that in those days, it was an absolutely wonderful sight. You would come over that hill and you would, you would look and you would see the temple with all the gold, Herod's temple with all the gold that was on it, and the sun would reflect on it. It was hard to look at. It was that beautiful. And Jerusalem in all its glory at that point, and you came around and you could look down on the city and he bursts into tears. Total contrast. He's totally unmoved by the praise of the people. He's totally unmoved by the fact that they want to make him king. He knows what he's about, and he knows what's going to happen. And he says, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, day, the things which belong unto thy peace, 
but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and they shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word, and help us, Lord, to take on board truth that would be a help to us in our lives as we live. And help us to remember, Lord, the sacrifice that you, without reserve, paid for our salvation. The fact that you went willingly uh, to a death unimaginable so that we could have what we have in you, so that we could have joy in our souls today. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 42. uh, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, what day is he talking about? Well, like we were saying this morning, he's talking about this day, the fulfillment of prophecy for the nation of Israel. It's uh, 483 years since the, uh, the prophecy of the Messiah entering Jerusalem was given. And to the day, it's being worked out. And <clears throat> he's coming into town. This is their day. This is their moment. In many senses, this day and this moment is why Jerusalem exists. It exists so the Savior could come. Because remember, when God was wanted to do something for mankind, he had started way back in Abraham. And he decided he was going to do something. He was going to do a work that was going to redeem mankind. He was going to a work, and he, he decided uh, characteristically of God that he would grow a nation to do it through. And so you've had all those years from Abraham right up to this point is focused on this moment when their king is going to be presented to them. And all of it's headed towards that. All of it's pointing towards that. And they're going to miss the moment. They're going to miss the moment completely. Uh, this, <clears throat> and if you had known, uh, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. So what's he talking about there? You know, Jerusalem was the place where God dwelt. He dwelt in the temple in Jerusalem. He hovered over uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant. He was there. The reality of God was there, had been there. That, that was the plan. But Israel's gotten it wrong. And Israel so often has rejected God. And God has sent them prophets, and uh, he's rejected them. By the way, if you read through what's happening in these last chapters of the Scripture, you'll see Jesus uh, dealing with all that stuff. He's dealing with the fact that they've, uh, they've rejected the prophets, and they've rejected, they've rejected everything that's been sent to them. They've said no, they've said no, they've said no. And this rejection is the culmination of all their other rejections. This is not a standalone thing. They've rejected all the prophets. And, and um, now they're rejecting the son. They're going to kill the son. They're going to get him out of because he inter- he's interfering with their plans. They're going to get rid of him. And <clears throat> Jesus is looking down. And it's as though Jesus can see two totally different futures for Jerusalem. He can look more down one way and he can see peace. And he can see prosperity. And he can see blessing. And he can see Jerusalem being the center of the world as he intended it to be. And he can see people coming to Jerusalem for salvation. And he can see the Jewish nation, this nation, this nation that he's raised up, being all that he planned them to be. 
Because do you know that God intended for the Jewish nation to be a missionary nation? They would reach out to other people with the gospel. Uh, they would draw people to God. And he, he can look down and he can see what would have been. And because he's God, he can see it like it's <clears throat> reality. But on the other side, he can look down and he can see what now is going to be. They can't see it. You see, the blessing is hid from their eyes and the future is hid from their eyes completely, but he can see it. He's talking in the next two verses. Uh, For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee uh, and compass thee round about and keep thee in on every side. Thirty years later, the Romans were going to come and they were going to literally build a ditch five miles around the city and they were going to refuse to let any food in or anybody come out. And the people were going to die in Jerusalem of starvation. It was so bad. It got so bad, Josephus says, that uh, at first they, 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 they would bury the people that died. But then they got to the place where they didn't have the energy, and they would just throw the dead people over the wall. There was <clears throat> nothing. Uh, it, was, it, it was just a grim, horrible time. Jesus is looking at that. He can see that. Uh, he can see the, the, uh, the Romans coming in. And um, verse 44, And they shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. What they're going to do is they're going to destroy the temple. They're going to take it apart. The story goes that the Roman soldiers, uh, the, the, the temple was set on fire, and the gold uh, that sat on the walls of the temple uh, <clears throat> melted and went in between the bricks and down into the foundation and So the Roman soldiers literally took it apart, stone by stone, so that they could actually have the gold that was in it. And Jerusalem's going to be razed to the ground. But as awful as that, it was only the beginning. They're going to be scattered to the four winds. Today, if you want to find the 12 tribes, you really can't, because you know what? They're scattered. And the Jews are going to go all around the world, and they're going to be the off-scourings of the earth everywhere they go. They're the most amazing people. They are blessed financially. They always make money. That's amazing. You, you know, you always find the Jews uh, around the money. It's, it's just the way they are. But you know, because they have the money, they always become hated. And it's amazing how many different countries you can look at and you can see the Jews finally come into the place where they were uh, where they were persecuted, pogroms were run against them, they were shoved out, they were put out. It's amazing, again and again. It didn't start with Hitler. It started way back before Hitler. It started with the enemy. It started with Satan who wanted to uh, destroy them. And that's what he's done through all throughout history. And they were going to be a dispossessed people that were going to live uh, under persecution and pogrom and just live horrible times. You know, we know, because it happened in recent history, about... Hitler and about the concentration camps and about six million Jews that were ruthlessly, savagely, cruelly murdered. And you know, Jesus is looking over Jerusalem and he can see all that. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what this rejection is going to cost them. He knows what it's going to cost them to kill the Son of God. They're never going to get away with it. It's impossible to get away with something like that. And he's looking at them, and he knows. But you know what's amazing? He weeps. That way you or I, we'd say, well, good enough for you. What you're going to do is horrific and horrible, and that's what you deserve. But he weeps over them. Do you know that he loves them? In spite of 
all that they're going to do? In Matthew chapter 23, he's going to, he's, he's going to go after the Pharisees and he's going to ream them out and he's going to call them a generation of vipers and hypocrites and he's going to just tear them apart and point out their wickedness and point out their hypocrisy. But you know why? Because they needed to see it. Because they needed to get saved. Do you know that Jesus loves these people that are going to crucify him? We're going to see this week as we look at it that Jesus from the cross asks, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He doesn't want the Father to hold it against them because they know not what they do. Jesus loves them. He doesn't want what's going to happen to happen to them. It's their choice. And I want you to catch here uh, what their choice, what happens. Uh, the, the, The problem for them is this. The reason for their judgment is this. They knew not the time of their visitation. They didn't recognize him. Now, of all the people on the planet, they had the tools, the instruction, the books, the learning, the tradition. They had everything to recognize him. Uh, The multitude of disciples are actually recognizing him. They're saying, he is the Messiah. Why? Because he's done the things only the Messiah can do. Uh, he just recently healed Lazarus. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He, he's done all the things that, that a Messiah would do. He is God. He is the Son. Uh, and we need to accept him. The, the multitude were accepting that. They were seeing that. But the Pharisees are not. They're, they're refusing to see it. Now, why are they refusing to see it? Well, they're refusing to see it because it would have affected their lives. See, their fear was they were well in with the Romans and they, they, you know, they had a pretty good life. It wasn't all they wanted to be and they would have liked a king to come in and uh, bloodlessly and safely uh, set them free from the Romans. But they had kind of a good life. You know, they, 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 things were pretty good for them and they didn't want anybody upsetting it. And they didn't want Jesus to come in who was not afraid to go up against them and tell them, you know, if your, Phar- if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into heaven. heaven. He, he was not afraid to actually uh, to, 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 to run them down, to, to, to point out their flaws. They didn't want somebody coming in who was going to do that. In fact, they wanted to be king of their own little kingdoms. And that's mankind. That's us. We want to be king. We want to be king of our own little kingdoms. We're not very good at being king, and we kind of recognize that, you know, because we, uh, we tend, uh, whenever we get control of the situation completely, we, we tend to wreck pretty quickly. But we still want to be king. We want to run it ourselves. We want to be on uh, ourselves. And <clears throat> these people missed their moment. That's terrifying, isn't it? You miss the time of your visitation. So all that we know from history kicked into place. It was going to happen because they missed the moment of their visitation. Do you know there are moments in your life when God speaks to you and it's your moment? There are moments in your life when God wants you to do something. He wants you to change course. He wants you to do something. And it's your moment. And I don't want to say that uh, the same thing is going to happen to you that happens to the Israelites. But I've seen terrible things happen in people's lives who've missed their moments. And by the way, we always do it willingly. It's not like we don't know God wants something else from us. 
God wants something from us, and we decide we're not going to do that. We want something else. I want to be king of my own little kingdom. I don't want anybody telling me what to do, uh, including God. Now, we talked about this this morning. Again, you need, need to catch this in your mind. The Pharisees would never have admitted to that because they didn't believe that's what they were doing. They believed they were fighting for God. And we deceive ourselves into thinking, you know, that when we're looking for our own way, it's okay with God. It's all right. It's fine. Listen, God loves you and he speaks to you to direct your life. And when you say no, you miss the moment. And there's consequences. There's consequences. There, is all, there are always consequences. Remember the moment of salvation? How many of you can remember the moment of salvation in your life? I can remember the very moment I got saved. Right? Come on, the rest of you put your hands up. Put up your hand. If you remember the moment of salvation, put your hand up. Right? <clears throat> I mean, you need to at least do that much to honor the Lord. Right? If you're saved, you remember the moment of salvation. Right? Well, <clears throat> in, the, in, in the moment of salvation, I remember very clearly choosing a pathway. I didn't understand what I was doing. I really didn't get it. I just knew getting saved was the right thing to do. And I look back now, and I'm so glad. Because it's dictated my life since then. I might not be here at all. If I had, I certainly wouldn't be a pastor. I certainly wouldn't have the family I have. I certainly wouldn't have the life I have. It would have all been totally different. Because there was a moment. There was a moment when God came and said, no, this is my way for you, Dave. Now, I wish I could say that he became king of my life, then lord of my life, and, and I never, he never had to kind of present me with something again, but he's had to present me with it several times. And I've not always made the right choice, but whenever I've made the wrong choice, it's cost me. But if there are some moments in my life that I've made choices that were what he wanted for me, and they've directed my life. Now, I couldn't see I couldn't see what was happening. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't, like Jesus, look and see, well, this is what's going to happen if you accept the Savior, and this is what's going to happen if you don't. He can see it all. I couldn't see it, but he could. But you know what? When you make the right, wrong choice, there's always consequences. And when you make the right choice, there's always blessing. Do you know that you can't yield to God and not be blessed? Do you know that his very nature is to bless you? You're the only way to stop God from blessing you. You've got to do something to hinder him from blessing you because his very nature is to bless you. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's, it, that's not what he does. It doesn't say God rewards people who diligently seek him. It says he is a rewarder. He does it. Why? Because that's who he is. And he wants to reward you and he wants to bless your life and he wants to bring things into your life that are good. He had a plan for Jerusalem. Wonderful plan. Happy, joyful, sweet plan for Jerusalem. He wanted to see them blessed beyond their wildest dreams. He's going to bring it about because it's his plan, but it's not going to come now till the time we call the millennium. <clears throat> but then he would have done it for them then. He would have given it to them then. And that was his plan. You say, well, how, how about the cross? I can't understand. No, I can't go through the infinite mind of God and understand how he had planned. He had just taken into account what man would do uh, and made a plan that would, that, that would work with it. God always does that. Do you realize that God always gets his own way in the end? 
You know, you may not like that, but you know, that's just the reality. God always gets his own way in the end. He has the ability to work things out so that he's getting his own way. That does not mean that he violates your free will. He lets you choose. And you, you, your choice is going to bless you or curse you, but you know what? <clears throat> God can get his own way in the end, and we need to understand that about him. But <clears throat> Jerusalem doesn't see it. They don't understand. In fact, Israel has a history of missing the moment, don't they? As we read through the pages of Scripture. Israel has a history of just getting it wrong, uh, of missing the moment. They miss their moment. Um, they miss their moment uh, in Numbers chapter 14 when it came to going into the promised land. Remember Moses told them, listen, go up. God's going to give this land. They said, oh, hold on just a minute. Ten of these guys that have come back tell us that these people will devour us. And two guys say we can take it. Oh, we're not doing this. We're, we're going back to Egypt. And they missed the moment, and that generation wandered around in the desert for 40 years because they missed their moment. I know Christians that are doing that. They don't know it. They don't recognize it, but they're wandering around, going nowhere, doing nothing, because they won't do what God wants them to do. By the way, I do think it's different for us. I think at any time you can go back and you can say, Lord, I got it wrong. Can you turn it around because I'm going to go your way on it? I think even for the Jews, that was possible. You know, every Jew that's accepted Jesus as the Messiah since Jerusalem has had their life turned around. That's, that's the truth. That's the reality. And you know, whenever you, turn your, whenever you turn to him and give in and yield and say, okay, your way, not my way, blessing's going to come. He's going to turn around. But you know what? <clears throat> they wandered around for 40 years until they were all dead. Why? Because they missed their moment. Remember Felix in the book of Acts? Uh, <clears throat> Felix, here's Paul. Here's Paul preach in Acts chapter 24. And um, <clears throat> he says, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. Not quite. And he didn't become a Christian. He missed his moment. He missed the moment. You know, we can do that. It's possible for us to miss the moment. Now, I want you to go back to our text here because I want you to see one, one more point here. Verse 42, it says, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. You know one of the problems for us when we miss the moment? When we miss the moment, we can't see what we've missed. When we miss the moment, we don't see what it is that we've missed. Let me ask you a question. Right? This, is, <clears throat> this is for the benefit of everybody. I want you to raise your hand. How many of you have had a moment that you really struggled with, but you came down on the right side of it, and you are so glad today that you did God's, went God's way on it? How many of you could say, listen, I've done that? Now look around you. This is the testimony of the children of God, that when we've done it God's way, there's been blessing. There's always blessing when you give in and when you yield to God, when you don't miss the moment. And when you do miss the moment, you're blinded. You can't see it. That may be mercy, in fact. Because these Israelites aren't going to see it. They, they're in their lifetime, the Romans are going to come and destroy their city and they're going to die, and <clears throat> they're going to be scattered over the face of the earth. They, they, they don't see that either. Aren't you glad you can't see the future? But you know what? You know what is always right and true and good and the path of blessing? When you say yes to God. 
When you say yes to him and you give in to him and you go his way, that's always the blessed way. Now look, I realize we stand on this side of eternity and everything that we're asked to do has this element of faith in it. In other words, we have to trust God because we don't know what's happened, do we? And we have to trust him blind because you can't see what's going to happen. But you know, the trust is you trusting that he will bless. You trusting him as the kind of God that will bring blessing into your life when you say yes to him. That, that's what the trusting is. It's trusting that he will take and he will bless your life, and he always will. He always will. If you're not saved, trust him. Trust him as your savior. You say, but it's going to, it's going to change my life. You're, you're sure, you, you better be sure it's going to change your life. But you know what? Not one of the changes God has made in my life since I, since I got saved have I ever said, oh, that sucks. Honestly, there's not one change. He's never led me into less. He's always led me into more. And he'll do the same for you. You can fight him on salvation. You can say no to him. But if you're not saved and you say, okay, all right, I need this. I need to get saved. I need to get born again. I'm a sinner. You know, if, if I were to press us, we'd all raise our hands, wouldn't we? Because we all, believe, we all know we're sinners. I, I'm a sinner. I can't pay the price for my sin. I can't fix it. If you've got any sense about you, you've tried to fix it in your life, but you can't fix it. And you certainly can't uh, fix the price of it. And because of the price of sin, the Bible says that you and I deserve hell. But you know what the Bible also says? That Jesus, the same Jesus that looked over Jerusalem and wept over it, went to the cross to pay the price for your sin. And when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's all paid, completely paid. We have two coming for baptism tonight. You know what? They're coming to demonstrate the reality of what's happened in their lives. They've been saved. They've been born again. The price has been paid in their lives, and they're free from it. You know that God always does what he says he's going to do. And if you will trust him, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He will save you. You say, when? Tonight. Anytime you come to him, he will save you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're a sinner. You deserve hell. Jesus died to pay the price for it. And when you call upon his name, he does the saving. It was interesting. We were <clears throat> baptizing the quads this morning. I mean, <clears throat> when you ask people what happens if you do something wrong five years from now, that kind of stumps them. Even after you say, it's kind of hard to actually get that in your head that, you know, um, five years, if I, do some, I could do something really bad, how would God still take me to heaven? Uh, well, the reality is, all my sin was paid for when Jesus died for me. But you know, salvation is not the end of our walk with God. It's, not, it's only the beginning. It's just the beginning. And it gets better and better. The problems in my life are always in areas where I'm not fully obeying what he wants me to do. When I obey him, there's blessing. And even if there's problems, it's not a problem because, you know what, <clears throat> he's in it. Um, and again and again, you're going to come to this place where he's going to say to you, all right, okay, will you trust me and do it my way? Or are you going to put your own little crown on your head and reject me and do it your way? 
Now, that's a pretty graphic picture, but it's the real picture. That's what we do. You know, so no, I'd never say that to him, but these, just, these, these Pharisees would have said, no, I would never say no to God. But they rejected him. They were going to crucify him. And you know what? You can do it too. And it will always be to your cost. Always be to your cost. I can look at people today whose lives are a wreck and a ruin. Because they said no at some point. No, I'm not doing that. Then you try and make it, people try and make it complicated and difficult and so on. No, they said no. They said no to God. I know know people that are dead because they said no. They've passed out of this world completely. You say, uh, was God that mad at them? No, God wasn't that mad at them. God loves them if they're his. He just took them home. You see, we want, like the disciples did, the multitude did, we want a God we can control. And he's a sovereign God. That means he's in control. You're not. So that when we come to him, he always has the best plan, and you're wise if you do it. But he's given you a free will. You and I can choose what we want to do. We can go our own way. We can do our own thing. We just can't choose the consequences. Israel had free will. These Pharisees have free will. They've made their minds up by now. They've decided what they're going to do. They're going to get rid of him. They're going to crucify him. They're going to actually turn him over to the Romans to crucify, which is lower than low uh, for them. But they're, they're going to get rid of him this week. They've made their minds up. You know what? They were free to. They just weren't free to choose the consequences. They they weren't free to choose what it would cost them. The same is true for us. Let me encourage you with all that's in me. Do it his way. You say when? Every day. Do it his way. It's not a list of rules. It's a relationship with a living being And that living being dwells within you and he wants to show you his way. And all you need to do is say, yes, Lord. And things that are hidden from you right now will come into full sight and you will say, this is the way. This is the choice. I'm glad I made this choice. You saw the hands that were raised. People that have been in the same place where you are and they're saying, this is the way. Listen, choose him. Choose his way and choose the path of blessing in your life every day for the rest of your life. And when you get it wrong, own it. Father in heaven, I'm sorry, you were right, I'm wrong. I'm going to do it your way. Own it. Confess it. Because the Bible says we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe that's what you need to do tonight. Maybe you've got something between you and God that you've been fighting with him about, and you need to say, okay, I give in. I want his way. You you say you're scared. Well, you know what? You won't be scared as soon as he takes the blinkers off and lets you see that his way is the best way. Choose him and choose his way. All right, let's stand for a moment. Lena, could I have you play something quiet? We're just going to have a moment where everybody gets to deal with God between uh, you and I. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you a moment to do business with God. Let me say, if you're not saved here tonight, tonight's the night. You could get saved tonight. You could leave this place knowing you're on your way to heaven, 
And if you're hearing there's something between you and God in these moments, you could do business with God and the block could be removed, right? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give you a moment to do business with God. Father, would you bless us? Would you help us, Lord, in this moment, Lord? Lord, for Israel, this was their moment and they missed it. Lord, may we not miss it. Blessed Spirit of the living God, you're speaking to your people right now. Oh, Lord, may they respond. May they say yes. May they individually yield to you and do it your way. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Lord, would you bless now in these moments and in the days ahead. And may we know your presence and your power. Let me just ask you, right? Every head's bowed and every eye is closed. I, I, I will pray for you, right? Let me just ask you, have you just given in to God right there? You've just prayed and you've just surrendered to him. You've said you want his way, not yours. It may be in an issue, it may be in life, but you've just done business with God. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. See those hands. Amen. Amen. Well done. Best decisions you ever make are the decisions to give in to God. Now, Father, bless them, Lord. Uh, each one that's raised a hand, Lord, has a heart to do it right. But, Lord, we have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in our power to do it. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, uh, would you bring it all the way through in Jesus' precious name. Amen.